Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. And welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 68. Today we'll be talking with Bob Callahan. Bob is the author of his brand new book out last week entitled, Get Into Yes And, The Art of Business Improv. Good morning, Shai. Good morning, Craig. See, Shai, I'm reading so much about the management of businesses really struggling with trying to get more communications with their staff and really going to the next step with their business. Wondering, what are you seeing? What's getting in the way of really developing the staff and developing the organization? What's getting in the way? I think we get in the way. (laughs) I think so much of it starts with the business owner themselves and their approach to this and having their focus in so many different places that at some level they're really not listening. Sometimes it's not even knowing what the right question is, but there's a basic fundamental underlying element going on as far as developing communications, you know, fostering communication, and even creating an environment where good, solid, open communications can take place and actually are fostered and nurtured. Yeah, you know, so much of this elusive thing that we refer to as culture really starts with that tone that's set by the business owner and what habits they establish with their direct reports and how they model behavior for the rest of the team. Yeah, that continuous reinforcement of, you know, listening to each team member and team members listening amongst themselves and valuing each other's input and even growing on each other's input. Yeah, and what's tricky is these particular types of skills can be really difficult to develop. It's hard to teach better communication, collaboration, and listening via a PowerPoint. Which is the way it's always been done. Getting up there, someone making a great presentation, and the room is just not engaged. (laughs) And so, again, it's that replication of no participation. There's no real relationship building that's taking place. So there needs to be another level of development and development planning to foster better communications. And the net result is creativity goes up and engagement goes up. You know, there's no real substitute for direct one-on-one regular scheduled engagement with your team so that you can model the behavior and model the listening that you want to see in order to move that environment forward. And the challenges for business owners is learning that skill themselves. And more and more people are looking to outside industries for inspiration. Yeah, and our guest today is Bob Culhan, and he is the author of Getting to Yes And, The Art of Business Improv. Bob is the president, CEO, and founder of Business Improv, an innovative consultancy that specializes in experimental learning and serves an international roster of blue-chip firms. Bob is an adjunct professor at Duke University's Fuquak School of Business and Columbia Business School. A performer with over 20 years of stage credits, he trained with a long list of legendary talents, including Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. He is an actor and former core faculty member of Chicago's famed Second City and a member of the former resident company at the I.O. Theater. And lastly, 
Bob is also a co-founder of the critically acclaimed Baby Wants Candy Improv Troupe. Good morning, Bob. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning. I'm super excited to be here. Great to have you on the show today. Bob, it's fun reading your extensive bio that covers a really sizable landscape. What was going on in your world that led you to take the time to write the book? Well, the reason I wrote the book is because I love the art of improvisation, and I actually love the field of business as well. And I've had an interesting journey first as a businessman, as an undergrad, getting my, appropriately enough, BS in business, then abandoning that after achieving a fair amount of success at a very young age in Chicago as a businessman to study improvisation universally and focus solely on that. And then to enter the business world first through business schools and then into great businesses. And this unique path has led me to some insights that aren't currently out there. And I know improvisation is a fantastic art form for all sorts of things that relate directly back to business. And I wanted to share that with people. Tremendous background. And improvisation is something I normally don't associate with business. How has it developed for you? What have you found as being some foundational elements of improv that really apply in business well? Sure. The most common association with improvisation for Americans anyway is linked directly back toward comedy and entertainment. And it's important to pull away the tenets of improvisation in in order to use them correctly in all sorts of different fields like business. And there's a need right now for the modern businessman and businesswoman to be adaptable, for example. How do you become flexible? How do you work within a strategy still to achieve that overall mission and those goals and yet take advantage of unexpected opportunities when they arise. And improvisation inherently is rooted in adaptability and flexibility and nimbleness. And it's also rooted in communication. It is by nature a communication-based art form. And also with the spontaneous creation, it's rooted in creativity and driving that creativity to innovation. So right away you're hearing some key aspects to where we as business people need to be in the current tumultuous state that is just global business. So Bob, the title of the book, Getting to Yes and the Art of Business Improv, walk us through some of the foundations of business improv and a few of the implementations. Sure. Starting with the two-word phrase, yes, and, which is the cornerstone of all improvisation around the world, you can use yes, and in a number of different ways as it links to business. First, as a communication technique, as mentioned. It's a way to slow the brain down so that you're focused in the moment wherein yes is unconditionally accepted what's being given to you, and and then is the bridge to how you accept it, and is the bridge to what you do with it. And in yes, I think it's important to qualify, and specifically, and in yes and, it's important to qualify that yes and does not mean you execute every idea that's brought to you. Yes and means that you take time to understand what's being said to you and even understand the reasoning behind the person saying what's being said to you before you reject it, decline it, negate it in some capacities. So beyond anything, as a communication tool, yes and is a way to strengthen relationships. It's a way for personal creativity for you to postpone judgment of yourself to create momentum and create flow for yourself and do the same thing with other people on a one-on-one or one-on-two or even one-on-ten group team level. And as 
it relates toward relationship building. It's actually a tool toward mindfulness, wherein yes is focus and understanding and and is the bridge to how you're thoughtful and how you understand. And all of this, once again, as a tool to drive to being present and in the moment. And this alone is just a small sample of how powerful this two-word phrase, yes and, is. It does not at all touch base on the other aspects of improvisation which are applicable, such as the creating a culture of acceptance or divergent thinking versus convergent thinking or brainstorming or adaptability. So in the spirit of yes and, Bob, I certainly agree with you. And I'm curious about how do you feel that better listening as a fundamental leadership skill is something that improv can really teach? First, let me recognize good use of yes and to bridge over to this question. Second, the act of listening actually empowers people in a number of different ways. If you go back to Cialdini research, It's been proven over and over again that a good listener actually gains respect and power from those who are speaking. So in doing so, you strengthen the relationship regardless of rank or status within the organization that you are a leader that's open to possibility and potential regardless of direct impact on a specific project. And that resonates further into an organization because we lead by example. And if we're asking people to be communicative and talk to each other and we're not doing it as leaders, we're teaching people not to be communicative and not to talk to each other. Also, especially with younger generations, millennials, there's more and more research coming out that the drive for millennials is a sense of purpose and belonging. And the act of intensive listening, showing that you're present and in the moment and giving somebody your undivided attention actually shows people that they are important enough to you that you're not distracted and you're not focusing on what you're going to say next or where you need to go. You are here with them. And that strengthens that relationship as well. Bob, in company culture, every business owner wants a great one. You've got a lot of great experience working with some of the major corporations in the world. What have you found to be getting in their way of achieving a great company culture and this openness that you're talking about? I think one of the greatest barriers that is in place to creating a great corporate culture that's adaptable, nimble, flexible, open, communicative, creative, is the need to judge too quickly. I think as we get older and more senior in rank and have more responsibility thrust upon us and more drive toward mission and strategy and growth and a general wonderful need to take care of the people in our environment, we rush to judgment too quickly. And that then teaches the people around us that that's the way that we need to behave. And in order to create a culture that's open and communicative, and at least for periods of time is able to postpone judgment, which tangentially is postponing judgment is very different than abandoning judgment. We're not at all implying to abandon judgment, rather the need to push it off, defer judgment to a later period of time so that there is an open, fearless exchange of information. And 
in creating this environment, what you see is that risk-taking takes place. And when you're judging too quickly, you actually start putting into place barriers to creativity, which for the record are almost the same as barriers to communication, which are almost the same as barriers to change, which by extension are virtually the same as the barriers to adaptability and improvisation. So by putting up the barriers to one of them, you're actually putting up the barriers to five of them. And there's that big challenge of going toward critical thinking too quickly. Bob, in your experience, why are some of these behaviors really hardwired for human beings? Over time, I think that they've just been ingrained in culture, and I mean overall culture, and they've become part of who we are. The need to move from one television show to another television so quickly, you know, back in the day, at least when I was growing up, if you didn't like a television show that was on, you only had two other options because there were only three channels. And if you went to a movie, you were going to watch the whole movie because you paid money to watch that movie. Now, if you don't like it, you just stream to something else, you move very quickly to something else, and that's created a short attention span mentality. Also, the need to have access of information 24 hours a day or the ability to have it has created this need in us as well to have external pressures of time sensitivity become into play. And of course, then there's the natural pressures as that leaders face like budgets and outcomes. And all of this, I think, creates a rush to decision making that doesn't need to take place. Very often, I think our rush to decision-making is because we unconsciously feel like we're caught in a riptide, when in truth, we can control our behavior, just like we can control our energy and our attitude. Very often, we can control the need to impulsively make decisions. And that's what really does need to be understood, that thoughtful leaders know when they have to make decisions quickly and when we can make thoughtful decisions more patiently. And there's a professor at the Duke Fuqua School of Business who created the 90-10 rule of decision-making. And this rule is based on the fact that many leaders think we need to be correct 100%, 100% of the time, when in truth, you only really need to be correct 100%, 10% of the time. The other 90%, you really just need to get out of your own way, make a decision. Then you have a lot of room to improvise in order to make that decision successful. You know, it's getting out of that analysis paralysis. And I think that's very important in the way that you break these sort of inherently wired trends inside of us, the, the understanding that we don't need to be right 100% of the time. What we need to do is hit the right target correctly, ultimately. It's almost like we're outsourcing the wrong part of our brains on tasks that just aren't that important. And so all that energy we really need to think critically is that juice is being drained by all these distractions every day. It can. I mean, there's so much to be said for shutting the phone down or the emails down, closing the computer and just making eye contact with somebody, just talking with them, just getting the opportunity to bounce off of them and play with them. It, it creates a, a stronger relationship than merely texting or being distracted all the time. Well, Bob, let's dive in a little bit then. Tell us like specifically when you jump in and I know that you've taught at a number of universities and workplaces Tell us what you focus on and what are some of the results that you've seen? Well, it really depends on what the focuses are. There's a strong drive right now for, as I mentioned before, influence and mindfulness. These seem to be topics du jour in the business world. And our approach in business improv is to show how the tenets of improvisation inherently get you to achieve mindfulness. And which is different than understanding the concept of mindfulness. And beyond meditation, which I think is a great way to help you achieve mindfulness, 
if you actually execute the tenets of improvisation correctly and practice them regularly, you can achieve mindfulness much more often. We also do a lot of change management types of programs because so many people are are stuck in, you mentioned some of the behavioral psychologies before, status quo bias, for example, or ego bias, where we know the answers or we're comfortable with the way that it's been run so far. It's not broke. Why break it? So we create an inability to change. And then, of course, you have the more classic creativity and innovation and communication. Now, as it extends to a distance communication or a collaborative environment in which you don't see each other on a face-to-face. So how do we influence, how do we become creative, and how do we ultimately drive that creation toward innovation through Skype, for example? Bob, I know a number of business leaders that are great on a one-on-one situation. When they pull the team together in that conference room with a lot of disparate players involved, how do they work towards building that team of, as you mentioned, trust and a relationship free to be able to express themselves? Where's the improv side that may be beneficial there? When addressing a larger group, I always go back to an adage that my mentor taught me. My mentor was a fabulous man named Martin DeMott. Martin, really one of the fathers of modern day improvisation, created the Second City Training Center. He imparted upon me the adage that your class will always teach you how to teach them. And I push that over into sort of a group presentation or group discussion quite often because in all honesty, If you're engaged, you become engaging to other people. And if you're really open to how people are responding to you and learn from them in real time, then you can adapt in real time to make sure that you're getting the best out of them as well. And that I think is directly applicable to those larger group situations wherein you have to engage, you have to field unexpected questions, and you want to make sure that everybody else is engaged as well. So it's a high level of awareness, focus and concentration, adaptability, and the need to communicate clearly will drive that type of engagement and the need, frankly, to have them understand what you're communicating because that's the key thing, right? It's one thing to say something. It's one thing to believe you know how they perceive that message, and it's a third thing to actually understand how they perceive that message. And if you're really focusing on engaging people in an adaptable way, then you increase the probability that you will truly understand how the message that you're delivering is being perceived. Bob, in your book, you tell this great story about this car company that you worked with that really wanted to change their entire philosophy with how they approach sales. Can you share some of that with us? Absolutely. The company is Sonic Automotive and their subsidiary, Echo Park. And one of their missions is to change the way people, the public, think about car salesmen and women and specifically used car salesmen and women. And so what they did was eliminate the commission for their salespeople. So now the salespeople are not in competition with each other. And they brought business improv in to work with 100% of the people inside the organizations based not on rank or status, just on the fact that you were employed inside that car dealership. So we were working with GMs to new hires to the most inexperienced sales people to the receptionists who greeted people when they came in to all of the blue collar workers, all the white collar workers. And the overall mission is to show people externally by behaving internally that we are one organization and we have each other's backs unconditionally. And so we use the tenets of improvisation to put foundational blocks in place that ultimately once they went through our program, which was 
an eight hour intensive from the top of the day to the bottom of the day, they would be able to continue to use these tools and techniques on their own, put accountability practices in place, which on the side are very fun. And at the same time, hold people to task to say that this is the way we're going to behave so that when those old habits start falling into play again, there's a way to police each other without actually stepping on each other's toes. And in doing so, create a culture that can grow unconditionally with support as opposed to competition. What were the challenges in putting together a program for that group? One of the challenges, of course, is the length of time. We're only talking about one day. So how do you create enough impact that it can continue to move forward on its own? Another challenge is really working with such a diverse group of people that you're not talking about a specific subset, you are talking about everyone from top to bottom, which means that we all come to the same environment, the same table from diverse backgrounds, diverse educations, experiences, mindsets. You know, you're talking about the youngest employees with the oldest employees. And so you're talking about introducing a behavior to the young employees and you're talking about changing behavior and changing a mindset and the older employees. So it was super important to create a cognitive understanding around what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, why are we using improvisation, and what's the ultimate goal, and then a shared language that does, of course, take the lexicon of improvisation and marries it with the lexicon that was already being used inside Sonic Automotive so that it strengthens what was already there. And then, of course, the third is that accountability practiced focus so that once they leave, they have a set of policing mechanisms that will not insult anyone or step on anyone's toes. Rather, it's a new set of rules of engagement and laws of land. And how do you really do that? Like, what are the kinds of things they came up with or that you work with them on? Well, the how and the what are two separate things. The how is good old fashioned, <laughs> roll up your sleeves and let's do some research. Let's talk, you know, let's really put on our thinking hats and collaborate with, of course, the experts who are there. The what are based in all of the tents of improvisation. So our arc of that program is actually similar to the book, Getting to Yes And, in that it's personal development. What can you do for yourself? How can you help yourself? To interpersonal development, okay, you've taken care of yourself, then how do you help the one or two people around you, perhaps that you work with most on a regular basis? To team development, okay, you got yourself, you got the couple of people right around you, how can you move it to that larger group, that group of six, that group of 10, the group of 15, 20, whatever constitutes a team, to ultimately culture. What can you do for the larger environment so that everyone knows how to behave inside that culture so you have a shared language, practices, rituals, routines, laws of engagement, and how do you fold in new talent on a regular basis? Because of course, regardless of whether we're talking about this automotive focus industry or tech industry or creative industry, the major focus is getting top talent and retaining top talent. And that culture that's created should support the addition of talent as well as supporting the talent that currently exists. I love the framework of really taking this from the inside out and you can almost picture the concentric circles that grow as everybody becomes better at understanding how they can develop their personal leadership and then take that to the next level. Change has to start with yourself, right? The Gandhi quote of be the change you want to see in others. It's exactly what leaders have to embody because we follow the actions over the words over and over and over again. And there's tons of science that will prove that. 
So it's really understanding that if we want other people to change, then we have to show that this is the way that we're going to behave. And the consistency of behavior has to be put into place. And now we're talking really about brand and brand integrity. What brand do you bring to the table? And what brand do you demand of others to ultimately create the brand of the culture, the team, the process, the product, the company? Bob, thanks so much for joining us today. It was fantastic and really insightful. Thank you so much for having me. I had an absolute blast. And Bob, is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Absolutely. I would love to leave with your listeners that all of this that which we're talking about is in a book called Getting to Yes And, The Art of Business Improv. And that book is digital as well as audio. And you'll get to hear this voice talk to you about the book throughout the entire book as I did record it. And if you go to our website, businessimprov.com, we have lots of complimentary support material, articles, links, directions that can help you help yourself moving forward in the future. Because in truth, the more people who study improvisation, the better the world's going to be. So I hope you roll the dice and get the book or at least check out the website. Our guest today has been Bob Culham. You can learn more about Bob along with links to additional information and a link to his new book and our show notes at businessownersradio.com. This episode has been sponsored by Aligned for Business. That's Aligned, the number four, business.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business. <laughs>